The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. All right, we are live. I am Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo and Grable and Associates and Shiawassee 6. And we're uh, fumigating the office right now. There's somebody. It's a funny thing. We got a gift basket. Was that what it was? A gift basket, right? Fruit, food. I, I knew it was poison. I just knew somebody's trying to off us, right? Get some trials up, get rid of those people. They keep making all these weird motions we don't understand. I'm telling you, it was from an anonymous source. We didn't eat it. We let it just sit there. And now we're smelling it. And like a day later, we're fumigating the office. Man, gotta watch that public profile. Anyway, tonight... <coughs> it really smells bad. Sorry. <coughs> tonight, we're gonna talk about... Damar Hamlin, and we're rooting for him. We'll talk about the Skip Bayless action on that, because I really think there were some things that got screwed up there. We're going to talk about my issue with GM card. We missed that last time. And then we'll talk about the trial admission program at Wider. That's, that's really... Let's start with Damar Hamlin. Now, we're watching the game on Monday night. <coughs> Here's this 24-year-old kid. And I really like the Buffalo Bills. I'm an Eagles fan, but Sean McDermott is a great coach. He was a coach with the Eagles. He really got compromised, in my opinion. He's proved the world wrong. And he has this team, like, on the verge of being a Super Bowl team. And here's this kid, Hamlin. Comes out of nowhere becomes a starter, does all this good stuff in the Pittsburgh area with toy drives and stuff, and he has the cardiac arrest. And we all, it's Monday Night Football, and it's the Bills, the Bengals. Huge game, right? And, you know, we all gamble on the games. We got big money on this game, and we just stopped, and we just watched, and we sat there. And I'm not really a religious guy, I'm spiritual, but... We were praying for this kid. And thank God it looks like he's turning things around. But um, it was bigger than football. And people were really pissed off at Skip Bayless. Let me tell you, Skip Bayless, he's not the most intelligent guy in the world. Let's just be real. I mean, he says stuff on first take and he says stuff to get attention. But the moral of his message... What really he was getting at is there was millions and millions and millions of dollars involved in this football game. And the NFL should really be who we were pissed off at. The NFL told these guys, take five minutes and get back out there. The NFL was not thinking of DeMar's future or his life. They were thinking about money. And I could get into the whole Ray Rice thing and my connection to the Atlantic City Police Department. And when Roger Goodell says he's against domestic violence, he's against not protecting his product. Let's be really clear about that. They tried to cover the Ray Rice thing up. And I just, it's business first. The NFL 
has always been business first. And um, that's where we're at with it. Hold on a sec. It's always been business first. And um, that's where we're at with it. So let's just be clear with that. Sorry, hold on. I have a little technical difficulty, but we're good now. So we're certainly hoping that the Mar. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the phone and the Facebook were going off at the same time. We hope this kid's going to be okay. Hope he makes it back to the field. Um, it'd be a great story if the Bills won it all this year and he was a part of that. And it's really difficult thing. It was bigger than the game, bigger than money, bigger than anything. To watch this poor kid potentially lose his life and they fight back. We're really the nation is pulling for Demar Hamlin, as they should. Um. So now, to the not so serious stuff. Well, GM card. Everybody's got a GM card, right? I mean, I gotta tell you, and they've really fallen off. Matt and I were talking about when I got my GM card, because I had a very interesting story with GM card this week. I forgot I had it. Literally, I forgot I had it. I think I had like a $4,000 limit on that card, and I paid off a few years ago, and then I lost the card, and they sent it back to me. When I got GM card, I think I just moved to Michigan, and I was like in a game, like, oh, cool, you get a free hat. So I'll sign up for the GM card. They gave me like a $250 limit. Then they charge you shipping for the hat. You didn't realize that at first. Anyway, I've had this card for years. In September, GM card says to me, hey, you owe us $155. And I'm like, hey, what do I owe you $155 for? Like, oh, there was a balance and interest and all this other stuff. And they're like, all right, you know what? Whatever. Here's your buck fifty-five. We're at zero balance right now, right? Yeah. Okay. So, by the way, my card expired... Can you please send me a new card and take the $155 payment? Yes, Mr. Amadeo, we'll send you a new card. And uh, thank you for making the payment. Sorry for any confusion. Eh, whatever. $155, bucks, right? Like, who cares? So, lately, I've been getting these notices from GM Card. They're, like, sending all these mailings out and emails. You're behind! I haven't used the card. In fact, I didn't have a card. The card I had expired. So I called GM card. I'm like, hey, what's going on here? Well, you're $164 in arrears. I'm like, what? How could that be? I said, number one, I paid in full in September. Number two, I hadn't been using the card. Number three, I don't have an active card. How could I owe you guys money? Here's what they said. When you spoke to the representative in September, they did not give you your exact total. Okay. And then after not giving your exact total, sir, there has been interest and penalties accruing. <laughs> so let me get this straight, Goldman Sachs. I don't have an active card. You did not tell me the right amount. You didn't give me an active card, and yet I owe you money. 
And by the way, when I did use the card, right, I had automatic payment on a bank account, right? So, oh, well, we want to explain that to you. When we switch companies, the bank accounts didn't transfer over. So, so let me get this straight. After being with you guys for 17 years, so I need that goddamn hat at the Pistons game my second term of law school. I don't have an active card. You told me the wrong amount. You didn't transfer over the automatic payment. And now you hit me with interest and penalties. So here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm going to pay you the $164.72. And then take this card and please shove it up your ass. I don't want to be a GM member anymore. After this happens, they send me an email with those automatic emails. Please tell us about your experience with GM <laughs> So... I was frustrated, like I'm overworked, tired, so I wrote a novel about what happened. Since then, I've gotten about 20 calls from GM card making me offers. Please, we'd like to discuss this with you, sir. Oh my god. They charged me for a card because they gave me the wrong figure. And then I didn't get a new card and expired. They didn't transfer over the bank account information. And this to them makes sense. Now, part of me is like, you know, let's just take this to court because screw you. But I mean, it's 164 bucks and whatever. I'm assuming GM card needed more than I did at the moment. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. I mean, this is how you do business? Good God. Boy, if, if we got rid of clients for being 164 hours short, we'd have a lot more free time on our hands. <laughs> Alright, speaking about how we got there, let's talk about the Widener Trial Admission Program in the glorious year of 2002. So I'm trying to get into law school, right? And um, I can't get in. I mean, the only place it would take me was this place in Lansing, Michigan, which I would eventually get to. But hold that thought. Widener. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. There's Harrisburg, and then there's the Delaware campus. And I go to Bob McDevitt, the president of Local 54. Yeah, yeah. Dearborn. <laughs> Harrisburg's like the Dearborn campus for U of M, and Delaware would be like the campus. So I send you out to Dearborn. Alright, cool. I go to Bob McDevitt and said, can you do anything to help me get into law school. I'm asking for a free ride. Um, I just can't break this barrier. And I'm helping Bob McDevitt win elections back then and stuff like that, which was a disaster. Bob McDevitt calls up this lawyer named George Miller in Atlantic City. George Miller actually was an adjunct professor at Widener. And uh, they made a call. And they got me into the trial admission program. When I went to go meet with George Miller, George Miller said to me, I don't like Bob McDevitt, and this has no effect on you, but he's pissed me off lately, and blah, blah, blah. So you knew you were walking into a bullshit situation. Because let's face it, McDevitt didn't want me leaving Jersey at the time and helping him get boats. George Miller don't like McDevitt. They sent me on a wild goose chase. So I take a leave of absence from Tropicana for six weeks. Mm. And I go out to Widener. 
and Carl Rutledge, and I don't want to badmouth the dead. I don't like Carl Rutledge. Carl Rutledge was like a father to me, and he owed me a lot of money in 2002. And he, one of the ways he was going to pay me back was he was going to drive me out to Widener. I was going to follow him. Let me do this for you, Billy. You always have my back. I got your back here. Now, this is before GPS, okay? And if you know me, despite the brilliance, my sense of direction is really bad. It sucks. So I'm going to drive from Atlantic City to Harrisburg without a GPS system. But thankfully, Carl Rutledge has my back. Thank you, Carl. He's going to let me follow him there. He's going to help me set up my apartment. And then, upon the last day, he will drive back. And he will let me follow him again. And I felt so relieved. I'm like, wow. Like, you didn't have to do that. He goes, no, I got your back. You're always lending me money and stuff. I got your back. So, the day before I leave, Carl calls me. Hey, listen, I lost money at Let It Ride Poker last night, and I got drunk. I'm not going to Widener with you. Okay, great. But I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to take you to AAA and get you maps so you can find your way to Widener. Hmm. That's not one better. Because, you know, a map... Nothing. Give a map to somebody with dyslexia who with a bad sense of direction. Oh, it's great. So he's he's going, ah, you just go northwest and then you go south. Remember when Pete Winter used to do this shit to me, right? I love Pete Winter. Pete Winter used to say to me, if you go right on mile marker six and then make a southwest turn, like, oh my God, dude, give me the goddamn address, please. Thank God for GPS. Let me tell you, if GPS cost a million dollars, I would find a way to pay for it because I could not get anywhere without goddamn GPS. Let's be clear about that. So this guy gives me these goddamn maps to go to Widener. And I'm young and I'm dumb. Okay? <laughs> I'm driving to Harrisburg. And my girlfriend at the time said to me, if you leave for six weeks, we are done. I remember saying to her, I'll miss you. Um, <laughs> so we break up. Carl's drunk and stuff, so he can't, but he gives me these maps. I'm getting lost, right? I don't know what this map's saying. He's like trolling these red lines and stuff like that. So I'm somewhere in Pennsylvania. I don't know. And <laughs> I'm There's this red phone, and it says, use the red phone for help. Okay. Well, I need help. I don't know where I'm at, right? So I pick up the red phone, and these state troopers come out, and they draw guns. What's your situation? I don't know how to find my way to my apartment in Harrisburg. Okay. State Police 1, Amadeo 0. You got me, guys. I screwed up there. I didn't mean anything by it, but I did pick up the red phone. I said, you need help? I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Finally, something to help. This is before internet was on your phone, okay? 
I'm really clueless and stupid at this point. But, um, I finally get out the Widener. And Widener was very clear. We do not give out financial aid. You have to find your own apartment. And then the best part, your grade will be based on your final, and you cannot review your finals or appeal your finals. This is the equivalent of the PSA bullshit. You can send in your card. You're not guaranteed to get your card back. And by the way, you may not get your card back. You may get another card. Huh. That's the good faith system, right? So, I get in there. I stay with this nice older woman. She was renting out an apartment. <sighs> nice lady Mary, she really was. Um, and there were, like, kids staying at apartments around the surrounding areas. And it was, like, a student. It's called a student ghetto. I don't know. And you get to meet the people. Now, in reality... You are going to the end of the world to try to get into law school, right? I mean, guys, this is like the minor leagues of minor leagues. Trial admission program at Widener. Are you kidding me? And the only thing I can tell you is this. I didn't get in. Um, but what we're going to do tonight... <clears throat> Character sketches. I'm going to tell you about some of the people I met at the trial admission program in Widener. And the first guy I'm going to talk about is Fred Cope, who is a Facebook friend of mine and a really good guy and a great writer and a college professor. And Fred, I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate our periodic conversations. Roll Tide, big Alabama fan. Fred Cope's a good guy. And that may be the last good thing I have to say about any of these people. I like Fred Cope. And Fred, if you're watching and you want to share this Facebook Live with some of these people, feel free. I don't like them. I'm going to let this shit rip. I'm going to use fake names because most of them are very unsuc highly unsuccessful and would like to sue me. So, knowing the law of defamation the way I do, we'll dance around some of their names. We'll use initials. Let's start with Jay. Jay was a bodybuilder, and he came off like a badass. He was in the financial sector. And he was one of these guys that, um... He looked a lot like Seal, the singer. But he spoke like a valley girl. Like a little bird looking for food. He used to raise his hand in class when people were getting the answer. Ooh, 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 professor, call me, call me. I, I just couldn't stand the sight of this guy. Um, but he used to always start things with like, 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 like in Paul's graph. Okay. Be out to dinner, right? Like, I would like the chicken breast, like! Like, oh, And he, bad tip, right? Just a miserable human being. And his BFF was somebody with the initial H. 
H would always start every conversation. My father's a lawyer. My father's a lawyer. Get a few drinks in H, and you find out his mother was a stripper. And dad didn't sign a prenup. So, that went really well. He was crying one night at dinner about how his mom was a stripper and... You know, they didn't have a great relationship. Hard to believe you marry a stripper and things don't work out. Coke. Problem mom had was also an issue. Then there was the Reverend. This guy... Alright, how do I put this? He would carry a Bible around with him. Carry two Bibles, actually. One was a normal Bible, and one was a Bible that wasn't Braille. Now, I asked him one time, why do you carry around a Bible that's in Braille? And he said to me, just like Jesus our Lord, I like the challenge. What? I remember before one of the finals, and I said to him, I'm going to go study some old, go practice some multiple choice for a few hours. What are you going to do? I'm going to pray. I guess his prayers did get him into Weiner. He got in. I didn't. I, from a quick Google search, I guess his prayers didn't put him in any algorithms because he hasn't done shit in the real world, but look at those Bibles. Then there was N. I want you to think about N for a minute. She was a Philadelphia girl. <laughs> I gotta watch myself here, okay. She was a Philly girl, and uh, Widener was a six-week program. She was in three relationships during the trial admission program. And the breakups were, like, really bad. <laughs> like, when she broke up with a guy... It was like the talk of everything. We're only there for six weeks, so I'm thinking to myself, hey, I'm trying to study. I didn't realize the fix was in, right? I mean, they weren't going to take me. They already decided they were taking it. It was just a bullshit way to make money. And Widener, if you're out there watching, the scoreboard and kiss my goddamn ass. But she was the belle of the ball, flirting with professors and doing her thing. She had three relationships during Widener. Uh, guys, I'm not talking about three hookups. I'm not saying she hooked up with three guys. I'm telling you, she was in three dating relationships and very loud about that during this six-week program. What the hell? Then there were the three professors we had. I want you to think of George, Kramer, and Elaine without comedy. I'll leave it at that. Then there was M. M was an older guy. He owed he owned a uh, Chinese restaurant, and he. Oh. We used to say, "Hey, where's your restaurant? We'll go check it out." And he would scream, "You're not getting a discount!" I just figured we'd give him some business, but he he didn't make it through. Then there was Jay. Jay moved his family out there. 
And that was a hell of a risk for six weeks, right? Because you're saying to yourself, what the hell's going on? He took out a mortgage. Well, he was on a scholarship, and he actually knew he was getting in. And he said to me one day, you know, I could tell you're a smart guy. He goes, but I'm the best because I got a scholarship here. He's currently, um, well, let me just shut up. He's not really letting the world on fire. And then there was C. C was the club guy. I mean, he was the partier. Naturally, he got in. I mean, he was the guy that would play a tree in the plays at school. Um, this guy was a stupid... I would take this football and C as a second chair at trial, and the football would be more advantageous. Then there was B. B was this nice little guy, but um, he wore the same tie all the time. And he used to suit up for class, right? And he had one tie. And I'm not a fashion player, okay? Listen, after hours, I'm in my spuddy. Get it? But he had this one tie. And this tie was like fluorescent purple. It really stuck out. So it was like a normal black or blue or white red tie. It was fluorescent purple. And he always had the same tie. Different shirts with the same tie. And like, he didn't wash the tie. He'd go out to eat, get mustard on the tie. The mustard was there like a week later. You're like looking at this thing like, man, this poor tie is like festering. We went to a club um, after finals. <laughs> this girl was like, she grabbed him by the tie and he's like jumping around dancing like he was on a pogo stick. Which I thought was really weird. Um, but she mentioned to me, she goes, hey, there's a lot of stuff on this time. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I liked him. Nice guy. Then there was C. C was a very pretty girl. But she was a chemist. She was going to give up her chemist career to become a lawyer. But I will tell you about C. She was way too interested in criminal law. Like, there were way too many questions about how to make math come from this girl. Like, we'd be in a study group. So if you blend this and that, can I get away with it? Hmm. I don't see her listing any bar journals right now. Then there was S. He was, um... He wasn't as dumb as C, but he wasn't as smart as the average individual. And this guy only ate McDonald's. We would go out to eat after study group or whatever. What do you want to do tonight? You want to get a steak? You want to go to a buffet? McDonald's! 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 Like, he was like Wade Boggs with the chicken. He always had to eat McDonald's. And this dude, he wouldn't show him it. I need my McDonald's! He didn't make it through. Then there was M. <laughs> so... She was, um, how do I put this? Do you ever know the really unattractive person who has a desire to always tell you about their sex life? For no reason, right? It'd be weird. So, we'd have a conversation like this. 
So the difference between actual cause and proximate cause we see is the buck four test, but the foreseeable zone of danger. What do you think, Em? I had a threesome last night. Like, what? It was really confusing. And she got in. She got in. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, this girl was like always pitchy. Like, she was clearly trying to get laid. And she was always telling you, yeah, I wear a lot of glitter and I'm really great at sex. And it was like, no, I don't want to try the peach with garlic on it. I'm good. Not for me. Fine. Can we please concentrate on negligence? And I'll tell you, I never saw more Red Bull, Adderall, and cocaine being used than during the six weeks. And me, I'm a straight edge, right? I mean, I'm sitting there drinking my Gatorade, drinking my bottle of water. Nothing has changed. And like these people, oh, cocaine got me through undergrad. It'll get me through the trial admission program. It was really weird. And to me, the moment in time for me was in 2003, where three of the people that got into the trial admission program, they come to Tropicana. I remember this like it was yesterday, and it's 20 years ago now, 19, 20 years ago, and they come to Tropicana, and they're gambling, and they're doing well through their first year at Widener. And I'm not in anywhere at this point. I'm a year away from Cooley. And I am bartending at Diamond Gyms. I was breaking Carl Relich. I was the breaker bartender. And I'm bartending at Diamond Gyms. And these three assholes come up to my bar. Order two frozen mudslides. And a margarita with salt. And I'm blending their goddamn drinks and shaking the margarita and salt in the rim and they're laughing at me so this is what you do huh let me tell you about those three today one actually ended up in michigan yeah he's in michigan i saw him in the jackson courthouse one day and he said to me I have three cases today. You only have one. Which case do you have? And I said to him, yes, you have the warrant for parking tickets not paid and two reckless drivings. And I have the CSC they're clearing up the courtroom for. Three is better than one. That's like saying I'd rather have three common baseball cards from 2000 than one PSA Michael Jordan rookie, PSA 10. Very funny. Other one is in Pennsylvania, doing big things as a junior associate, 14 years after practicing. And the third one actually got disbarred in Jersey for commingling client funds. But I gotta tell you, in 2003, when you were laughing at me as I'm making your mudslides and your margarita, I hope you enjoyed the night. And I know at least one of you watches these, so when you watch my Facebook Live tonight and you think about the shit your career has become and you look at me, look at the scoreboard, look into my eyes, and I hope you choke on that.
good. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Okay. Let's talk about college. Let's get weird. In college, I had Chuck McGeever as my professor in a few classes. And as many of you may remember Chuck, he's the one who left a message on my answering machine explaining how he was in love with me and my aunt and mom heard the message when I came home circa 1998. Very interesting man. And one of the ways Chuck and I got to meet each other before he fell in love with me, which, you know, was a little uncomfortable because Chuck, um, he was like a mentor. And I used to talk girls with him all the time, like my girl problems, and I don't know, he was kind of, it was interesting. I, I see why he gave such bad advice now. <laughs> he was, he's trying to keep me for himself. God. Chuck, may you rest in peace. I came to you to help me with women. You kept telling me not to go for certain ones. And by the way, you were not always wrong, but let's, you know, your mentor in college. He made us do speeches. And one day, we're all prepped on these speech topics. And you had to speak for like eight to ten minutes. And you had like your cue cards and this and that. And I was speaking and Pat Tandy was speaking. Pat Tandy, friend of mine from college, wants me to write for the New Jersey um, publication he has. Really good guy. Pat Tandy gave this speech about Hunter Thompson. And Pat had, like, eye makeup on, and he was screaming, if Hunter Thompson were alive today, he would scream, corporate America, and he jumped on top of the desk. And we're all sitting there in class, like, whoa. That was, um, intense. I mean, Pat Tandy was this outside-the-box personality. I always respected and liked Pat a lot. When it was time for me to speak, I was the only one in class to get a perfect score right like i nailed this speech it hit all the points chuck told us he goes this was the perfect speech blah 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 and pat tandy said to me after the class that day he goes 20 years from now nobody's gonna remember bill's perfect speech but remember me screaming corporate america and god pat you were right i don't remember that speech i know i got a perfect score and people were like a little pissed off about it and I remember watching your speech thinking, holy sh- this is perfect. He was so full of passion. He's getting into it. He's breaking stuff down. Pat, you killed that speech, man. And just as you predicted in 1997, nobody would ever remember my perfect speech. But we still talk about Pat Tandy's speech on Hunter Thompson. And Chuck is like the keeper of these speeches right he's the one telling us who's great and who's not and looking back isn't higher education bull let's be real we jump through these hoops right we graduate from high school to go to college we get the grades in college to sit for the LSAT we take the LSAT to get into law school we get the grades in law school to sit for the bar then we get the number on the bar to practice in the real world and we know this is all bullshit. None of these things have anything to do with each other. 
I've had some of the best professors in New Jersey and some of the worst. And it always amazes me how a professor can grade writing. It's one thing to grade grammar. It's another thing to grade content. And one of the things about my content was it was always weird. It was outside the box. I remember I had a high school teacher once. Miss Scandia always told me to just speak my mind in my writing. That was powerful. But there were other high school teachers I had who told me if you use your frustration in writing, nobody's going to understand you. Spoken from somebody who stuck teaching English in Atlantic City, and they're a judge of great writers. The most inspirational things you can keep in mind is people that tell you you're not good enough. I've heard this from so many law school professors and people that pretend to be prosecutors and, you know, you don't do things by the book, you're not traditional, you're not standard. Isn't average boring? Good God. Anybody can tell you one and one equals two. But who the f*** can explain how one and one equals eleven? That's what we do. Alright? One and one equals eleven and here's how. Outside the box, guys. It's not illegal to figure out something that's not in the book. We can do this. And I'll tell you, there's so many educators, in my opinion, who try to curtail creative thinking. Pat Tandy that day, and Pat, if you're watching or when you watch this, you gave the perfect speech. Because your speech is what we're talking about 25 years later. What I did was I conformed to what was needed for the grade. Okay. No shame in that. But holy sh**. And you were so far ahead of the curve. Which brings me to concerts in New Jersey. I'm going to talk about two concerts that come to mind. The first is when we were in college. And one of our friends was Jeff Cornell, who's a Facebook friend today. Jeff worked for uh, MTV Radio for years. Jeff was a badass guitar player. Probably still is. Jeff, if you're watching, you killed it in college, man. He had one of the best bands around. And we go to this bar in Margate to go watch Jeff's band. And um, two of the people that came were Pat Tandy and I think it was Paul Ludo was the guy's name. I can't find Paul on Facebook. So... We have a good time at the concert. You know, it's a small bar, but it's a concert. And as Pat and Paul were leaving, and Pat, you could tell the story better than me. When you went over to Margate Bridge, you had to pay a 50 cent toll. And I guess they threw the quarters in it, missed it. And cops came and arrested them for not paying the toll. And they spent the night in jail for a 50 cent toll. The Margate Bridge, guys, they actually used to arrest people if you tried to run that 50-cent toll. And these guys didn't try to run the toll. They even offered the money to the cop, but they stopped like, nope, we're locking you up for the night. And Pat and Paul had some really interesting stories about that. It was a really interesting time. I 
So college, you've heard me tell some college stories. Remember in college, I was working full time, dating older cocktail waitresses, learning about life. I didn't go to frat parties or wasn't part of a frat or anything like that. But we there were some really cool memories. Um, and a lot of them revolved around Chuck McGeever in our communications section. Uh, some of the people died way too young. Um, we're still friends with some of the people on Facebook and such like that. But they were actually some pretty cool times. They were few and far in between because you didn't really get a chance to have the college experience. But I think of Jeff Cornell. I think of Pat Tandy. I remember Don Sanders was a cool guy. We had our moments that are memorable, and that's that's important, you know. I didn't get enough of them because I was working so much. I have some other moments that are pretty memorable from the casino. <laughs> We'll save that for another Facebook Live. Because we'll keep it PG tonight. Now, the second concert, I remember vividly. I had a blind date that night, right? The year was 2000. I'm a kid. 23, 24 years old. And Trump Marina... Trump Marina for a while, that was one of Donald Trump's casinos, was the hot spot for concerts. Used to go to the marina, and it was, um, I think it was the Cayman Ballroom, is where they would, like, clear out the ballroom, and these bands would come in. And I wanted to go see Vertical Horizon. Vertical Horizon in 2000, they were kings of the world. Everything you want. I'll post it later, but that was the song. Everything You Want went to number one. And it was... Everybody was into that song. We wanted to see it live. There was a girlfriend wanted to set me up with. And it was one of those internet dating things. You know, like, before you could see the pictures, it was like you just actually got to know people. Which was... There's pros and cons of that, right? She was a little younger. I'm 24. She's, like, 21. And, um... She's just 21. She goes, what are you doing on Friday night? I'm like, well, do you want to go to Vertical Horizon concert? Well, she was all excited. Yeah, I want to go to that concert. Like, this was the concert everybody wanted to go to. You ever been on a really bad date? Because <laughs> this date sucked. We get into the pavilion. And she, I said, do you want a drink or something? She goes, yeah, I want a vodka and pineapple. Okay. So I get her the vodka pineapple. And she drinks it down like it was a glass of water. Like, hmm. And she goes, me, you only got me one? I'm sorry. So I get the hint, right? This girl wants to unwind a little bit. I'm driving. Who cares? She could drink. So when I brought her the one vodka pineapple... She squigged it. She says, you only brought me one. Now, I'm thinking to myself, okay. I go up to the bar, tip the bartender. I bring back, I'm double fisting now. I bring her two vodka pineapples. And she says to me, what do you think, I'm a drunk? <laughs> this is going to be fun. And all I'm thinking is, this girl's going to wreck the concert for me, right? She's not shutting up. She's telling about her ex-boyfriend, and they're kind of off again and on again. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? 
And I'm thinking, boy, I could have went to this concert with anybody I wanted. And here's this nut, the Baca Pineapple Drinker. And by the way, she complained about the double fisting, and then she drunk them down. And I said, do you want another one? I don't know. You tell me. You're in charge here. She says, if I want another one, I would tell you I want another one. Okay. Cool. Now, if this was like 2022, I would just text one of my boys, maybe the live audience, say, hey, make up a line, get me out of here. <laughs> right? But, all right. So you're trying to make the most of it. And I mean, and this was a horrible date. Horribly. She was a cute girl, but she was... <clears throat> What's the word? Dumb? Really dumb. Yeah. She had that South Jersey stereotype thing. Like, you'd be watching the concert, and she would, like, be staring at you. And then you would stare back. And she would pretend like she wasn't looking. She'd flick her hair in the air. It was so South Jersey. And she kept doing this over and over again. Like, okay. So I said to her, you like to flick your hair, huh? She says, why are you stalking me so much? I'm like, okay. I can't wait for this to end. But we're waiting for Vertical Horizon. I'm like, okay, remember why you're here? You're here to see this amazing concert. And in between... Like, they're playing music, but it's really loud in there, right? It's really loud in the concert. So when you talk to each other, you had to yell a little bit. Hey! You know, one of those things. So in, like, the intervals when there was no noise, she would just keep yelling anyway. It was, it was a miserable date. But I want to see this band. Now, one of the opening bands was Sister Hazel. Nothing against Sister Hazel. Sister Hazel was cool, but we wanted to go see Vertical Horizon, right? So, Sister Hazel's the opening act. And let me tell you something. Do you ever go to a concert when you go to see one thing, and then something else just steals the show? That's what happened that night. Sister Hazel was amazing. And they sang this song, and this song has stuck with me for 25 years my favorite song champagne high and champagne high it's about this guy and this girl they break up she's marrying somebody else and he's watching the wedding like he's going towards the reception and he's just watching like his world kind of crumble and the pain in the singer's voice never really felt that kind of pain in a relationship but it was such a powerful draw listen to champagne high by Sister Hazel, and you gotta pay attention to the lyrics. The lyrics were so far ahead of the time. The video was really cool. Stuart Scott from ESPN was in the video, may he rest in peace. It's a really unique video. I'll post the video, but check out the lyrics, okay? Sister Hazel was absolutely amazing. Vertical Horizon was good, really good. And when I did everything you want, the crowd was roaring. But the star of the show was Sister Hazel. And it kind of, you know, you're on a bad date. Two things struck me that night. One, you're on a date, so you're kind of looking forward to the date, right? That was a bust. And here's Vertical Horizon, this band you were dying to see. And they were good. But that wasn't what stole the show. The one thing 
that I'll take from that concert the rest of my life was how powerful Sister Hazel was. How amazing Champagne High was when they banged that out. It wasn't about Vertical Horizon. It wasn't about the blind date. It was about the opening act who nobody really came to see and they completely stole that moment. What do we learn from that? Well, sometimes expectations are not meant and sometimes reality exceeds expectations. And when the reality exceeds expectations, there's two things to keep in mind. One, holy shit, that's rare, right? And two, you'll only catch that if your mind's open to it. Every preconceived notion going to that concert at Trump Marina was to see Vertical Horizon with this cute blind date I was supposed to be on. At the end of the night, I was happy never to see that girl again. And I thought Vertical Horizon was good. But hearing Champagne High by Sister Hazel, holy shit, that was utterly amazing. One of the most powerful live performances you could ever hope for in your life. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.